We are starting a series today that we're titling Live Kind. Turn to the person next to you and say, Live Kind. <laughs> Maybe you've heard it's become popular the last, the last 12 months or so where people use the term uh, pay, pay it forward. Anybody ever heard that term? Pay it for, anybody had anybody pay something forward on you? Anybody show up at Starbucks and they are the person behind you, in front of you? Pay, isn't that a cool experience? Uh, we're talking about uh, uh, over the next four weeks, we're going to talk about kindness, what we see in Scripture we're going to apply it to multiple segments of our life, our family, how to be kind with our children, our spouse, how to be kind and walk in kindness towards our community. And uh, today we're really going to start with uh, how to be kind to one another, the church. Before we do that, I want to set the pace of kindness as I see it in Scripture as the Lord's heart in this whole concept. But to do that, I was thinking about how I, how I had the first experience uh, with kindness as I was a new Christian and uh, my mom and stepdad decided, you know what, the best thing to do in the, in the you know, late 70s was put them in a Christian school. So they took me out of public school and put me in a Christian school. And they felt like that would be a good environment for me. And I did that in the eighth grade, which was, you know, that's a real insecure moment. If anybody remembers eighth grade, all right? And so especially switching schools, all my friends, all the cool people I hang out with, and now I'm going to go to a Christian school. I don't know what they do. I mean, you know, I don't know if it's like Catholic school. The nuns are going to hit me with rods all day long. I mean, I'm not really sure what it's going to be like, right? And so I show up the first day, and we're sitting in homeroom class, and they're going to give us lockers. I'd never had a locker. I was just kind of cool. And we're sitting around, and these kids had all been going to school together since they were like in second grade, you know? So they all knew each other and I was the me and maybe one or two others were the brand new kids and and so we were wearing uniforms I'd never worn uniforms real, real awkward very intimidating environment and so all of a sudden you know they hand us out these locks that we're going to put on our lockers and we get our our lock our, our code you know it's the round ones that you turn and and so they give me my number it's like you know like 10 17 24 something like that and so the teacher keeps talking and and so they says go ahead and you guys go ahead and open your locks and and we're all doing it and I'm going 10 you know 17 24, nothing, 10, 17, 24, nothing. Everybody around the room is click. There's our opening, click, click, click. And I'm like, 10, 17, 24. I'm banging it on the desk. I'm trying to be real nonchalant about it, but I'm going insane. 10, 15, 20 minutes into this, I can't get this lock open. And finally, this kid sitting next to me taps me on the shoulder, and he's a redheaded, big, burly kid. His name is Sean, and he goes, hey, bro, you need some help? I'm like, uh man, mine's broken or something. I'm like, I'm doing 10, 17, 24. He goes, well, I think you're supposed to go around once to the 10 and then go the other way back to the 17 and then go back again to 24. I was like, oh. <laughs> and so I did that, you know, and pop, it popped open. In that moment, Sean Young became my best friend for life. And we really have. We've been best friends ever since. All because one moment of kindness. Because I would have been the guy where I would have went, hey, mine's broke. And the teacher would have brought me up there and done it in front of everybody. And I'd have been the idiot who didn't know how to go this way and then come back that way and then go back there. I'd never had the experience. But that one moment, that one act of kindness bonded our hearts together forever. Are you with me? Say yes. And so as we study kindness and living kind, my goal is over the next four weeks that God will speak to you and you'll do a little, something, a little kind act or something like that. And you'll go, wow, I just did a kind act. You'll take a picture of it and put it on Instagram, me doing kind stuff. And, uh, and we'll just kind of, I'd love to see us propagate living kind in September to every person we have influence with around the world. I'd love to see people stop being unkind and start literally being kind to one another. But it starts with the church. It really has to start with us. And so there's a key scripture for the entire series that I want you to have this scripture. And let's look at Romans chapter 2 and verse 4. 
Romans 2 and verse 4 says it like this. It says, or do you show contempt for the richness, or excuse me, the riches of his kindness, tolerance and patience, not realizing that God's kindness leads you toward repentance. We used to say that to King James, for it's the Lord's kindness that leads us to repentance. Now, let me kind of qualify this verse, and this is how you keep from having bad theology, is if you read everything in front of it and everything uh, below it, and stop just pulling stuff out and making up your own religion about it. But so when you start in Romans chapter 1, Paul is going for it. He is going for sin. He's, he's speaking out against homosexuality. He's going after, listen, you, can, Roman, you Roman Christians, you've got to be right with the Lord. He's going after righteousness. And then when he gets in, in chapter 2, he switches gears and he says, now listen, righteousness is what God desires. Sexual immorality is sin. Homosexuality is sin. He's going for all that in chapter 1. But when he gets in chapter 2, he switches gears and he says, now listen, but at the same time, You shouldn't stand in judgment of everybody else because maybe they're not there yet. He switches gears and he says, listen, you got to understand, this is the righteousness that God requires. This is what rightness looks like. Homosexuality, all these other differences, they're wicked, they're wrong. But let me just express to you as he moves into chapter 2. But listen, friend, when you stand in judgment of them, you bring difficulty on the entire situation. What he's dealing with is these Christians are supposed to be living righteously and they're not. So he's correcting that. And then he says, and then don't be hypocritical. Some of you are acting like you're so great when really you're not, and you need to repent as well. And he does that shift, and then by the time we get to verse 4, what he's dealing with is he's saying it like this. He's saying, hey, so listen, don't you understand that it was God's kindness that led us all to repentance? Don't you remember you were wicked and it wasn't the preacher on the street corner going, you're going to burn you homo. It wasn't that. It was his kindness that led you to repentance. Don't you remember that God, the righteous judge, is also kind and patient and long-suffering. Because they haven't gotten there yet, stop being so critical with them. Because they haven't seen the, it just yet. And recognize that kindness will open their heart up when judgment has never opened their heart, but only closed it. He's saying, listen, don't you understand that if you'll be kind, then you'll be like the Lord. Because it was his kindness that led us to repentance and continues to lead you and I to repentance. Because we have sin in our life because it's in blind spots. No one in this room is going around being sinful on purpose. It's a blind spot. Well, we call it a blind spot because you don't see it. Isn't that deep theology? Aren't you like, dang, that's, that's amazing. He's right. I don't see it. That's exact. We call it a blind spot because you don't see it. And aren't you glad that he's had patience and kindness on you and me. Aren't you glad that he didn't string me up the first time I preached some stupid heresy thinking I was cool with some new revelation? Thank God he didn't kick me out of the pool. You big idiot, get out of here. You can't be a preacher no more. Thank God for his kindness. Are you with me? Say yes. So as we start into this series today, I want us to learn kindness towards one another, the church. Let's start there. Let's start with kindness towards us. Before we start trying to figure out how to be really kind with our coworkers, our neighbors, our community, our own children, what if we go back? Because the Bible says it like this, that judgment will start in the house of God. So if judgment will start in the house of God, I think kindness needs to start in the house of God. And if we can practice being kind with one another, 
then I think what will happen is it will spill over into everything else. And there's a key passage for this, for this lesson, and then we find that out of uh, John chapter 13. Excuse me, I'm sorry, Romans 2. I already did Romans 2. John chapter 13 and verse 35. Jesus qualifies that we're his based on this. Look what he says. John 13, 35. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples. Pause. Nobody think anything else? Look at me. By this, everybody in the world will know that you belong to me. What's he going to say? The fact that you work in miracles. They'll say, oh, that must be Jesus's. The fact that you have a Christian bumper sticker. That's what he's about to say, right? Because you have a Bible and you read it. That's how they'll know you're mine. Because you pray loud at work when you're mad. That's how they'll know you're mine. Look how he qualifies it. He says, and by this, all men will know that you are mine if you love one another. He qualifies that you and me loving each other as the church is how the world's going to go like, dang, they, that's Jesus right there. Look at him. Have you ever been at a restaurant where maybe your family wasn't doing so good and you see that family, that perfect little family? The kids are all dressed nice, no boogers coming down their cheeks. And they're nice, and they're being respectful, and they're laughing. Ha, 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 ha. And the dad looks like he makes six figures, and the mom looks like the dad makes six figures. I mean, just, and you, and you're looking over at him, man, and you're like, they got it together. And you're looking at them, that's what a good family looks like, babe. We got to do that. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. You had that moment. That's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, look, the world will know that you belong to me. They'll, they'll long for me when they see how much you love each other. Not how much you preach to them. Come on now. Not how much you move in miracles. When, when they see how, much, how kind you are to one another, they'll recognize me. They'll want to be with me. They'll say, that's what it looks like. That's what the real deal is all about. And friend, that's what we're missing you know, I, I, I hear it, you know, I'm in a lot of church growth seminars and do a lot of training and speaking around the nations. And about 10 years ago, we had this whole big movement to recapture the de-church, the disenfranchised, the, those, who, uh, those who were disengaged with the church. Uh, the Barner Research Group about 12 years ago did a big research and they came, uh, came out with the statistics that, that 80% of Americans, 82% claim to be Christian, but 80% of those Christians said they loved God, but they hated church. And so then what happened was, in response to that, all these young pastors went, you know what? That's right. So we're going to make it palatable. We're going to pull away, and we're not going to tell them what sin is because that's offending them. And we're not going to let them spill coffee all over the sanctuary, and, and that's cool. And, and they started to come up with all these bright ideas to make it feel like, like, like we love you, we love you, we love you. And I think they did a great job. I think at times they pushed it a little too far. Because, friends, sin is sin. It's the word in the Scripture. It's the word I'm going to use. I love you. You need Jesus. You don't need a good... You, it, 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 you don't need to stop being bad. You just need Jesus. That's what I needed. That's what you needed. And so what happens is, is it, over the last 10 years then, they've, they've attempted to be nice to those who quit church. And I get it. And the reason why is because before, most of the church's attitude was, well, listen, if you don't want to serve God, there's the door. If you're not going to tithe, there's the door. No patience, no long-suffering as we all work through our junk together. Come on now. And so in that concept, I think church has gone back and forth on the pendulum. And I think you and I have the opportunity right now for our generation, for where we live at, to begin to model what Jesus said. And they'll know that you're mine 
by the way you love one another. When, when I grew up Church of Christ, every Sunday as we would go to close the service, we'd sing that little song. And they'll know that we are Christians by our love, by our love. And they'll know that we are Christians by our love, by our love. And that's what we do. We'd hug, shake each other's hand, and we'd go back in the parking lot and talk bad about each other. It was awesome. <laughs> I, I think that this is, I think this is a critical piece. That's been missing for so many of us that have gone through bad things and maybe had some negative experiences. I think if every one of us in this room could say, you know what? I'm going to make a commitment to the Lord, to myself, to love and show kindness to every person in my church. Even if I don't like them, even if they get on every last little nerve of mine and they make commitments and they didn't follow through and I just want to stab them. And it, they're that loud mouth person that always is a loud mouth person or that, that quiet person who's always mean looking. I'm going to love them like Jesus. I think if we did that, I think if we did that, the world would be like, hey, I think that's what we want to be right there. And Paul, in fact, is talking about to the, to, the, to the Gentile Christians, he says, listen, the way we're going to win the Jews who don't believe Jesus was the Messiah is that we're going to provoke them to jealousy because of our love. He used the word provoke them to jealousy. I, I don't think we need to jam it down the throat of hurting people that they're wicked. I think they already know. I don't think we have to point out all of their shortcomings. I think they're probably pretty hard on themselves already. I think what they need to do is see us loving each other within our own shortcomings and being kind to one another and having long-suffering with one another and being patient with one another and forgiving one another and seeing us work in kindness with one another. And I think they'll say, I've never had that. I'd like to have that. If God can do that in, in a whole hundreds and thousands of people, then that's what I want to be a part of. And so let's start the process, you and me, of learning how to walk through to the place that you and I begin to walk in kindness towards one another. There's so many scriptures, but for sake of time, I'm just going to have to jump down and kind of, kind of qualify this. Uh, Jesus said it like this. He said, they'll know that you're mine by the way you show love. In the book of Acts chapter 2, there's an outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the New Testament church. So you've got all these people who are followers of Jesus. They're there at the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit comes down upon them. They begin to speak in new tongues. They walk outside as if they're stammering drunk because the Spirit of the Lord's on them so heavy. People standing around go, oh my God, these people are drunk. Peter stands up and says, they're not drunk as you suppose. This is what was prophesied by the, by the prophet Joel, that he would pour out his spirit. And Peter, who just days earlier is a little ninny and won't stand up for Jesus. No, I wasn't with him. I tell you, I don't know the man. All of a sudden he stands up. Jesus, who you crucified is the one that we're celebrating. He's poured out his spirit and 3,000 people get saved. The spirit of the Lord is so heavy on these 3,000 people plus 120 and whoever else has joined their ranks by that time that by the time you get to the end of Acts chapter 2, we pick up and we'll put it on the screen in verse 44. Look what it says they began doing. And verse 44 says, and all the believers were together. Wouldn't that be nice to have all the believers in unity? All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Oh, this is crazy. Now, you talk about 3,000. Let's roll it off at about 3,200 people. They're gathering together, and every one of them, the Spirit of the Lord has come upon them, and as a result, all they want to do is be kind to one another. So they're just bringing their money, and they're dumping it at the apostles' feet. They're selling stuff, dumping it at the apostles' feet. That's why I love all these young theologians that say, you know, I don't really believe in the tithe. That's an Old Testament thing. I think we need to work a little bit more like the New Testament. Well, good. In the New Testament, they sold everything and brought it at the apostles' feet. 
I like the tithe myself. I don't know about you guys. I don't even want to fool with all your junk that you be selling at garage sales and bringing that money. I don't even want to look at that stuff. But here's what's happening. And all of a sudden, the New Testament church is birthed almost like in a communal living environment where everyone, you don't have the ability to pay your bills. Here, take from the pile. Here, I'll do that. I'll pay. And they're just, look at the kindness when the Spirit of the Lord really comes upon us that just is poured out. Do you remember when you first got saved? Do you remember how excited? You didn't care. When we first got saved, we just come stand up at the church during the week. Y'all need anything? We, just, we can't believe we get to go to heaven. We were so wicked. We'll scrub toilets. We'll paint stuff. Do you want, we'll pray. What do you want us to do? And they would put us to work, man. It was awesome. Why? This kindness is just bubbling outside. It's just bubbling from the inside out because the Spirit of the Lord's been poured out upon us. And we see that established in the New Testament church. Here's the problem, though. As it continues morphing, guess what you got? You got humanity mixed in with all the spirituality. So some guy's sitting there going, man, I ain't giving all my money. I don't have nothing left for me to put my kids in college. Another person looking there and go, what are they going to do with all that money? I, 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 you know, he, he's, the reason why we got to pay for his debt because he's been an idiot. I don't want to keep paying for his idiotcy. I mean, you know, they're thinking, why are we going to do that? And so then the apostles, they're not, per, they're not professional businessmen. They've got all this stuff, and they're having to take this deed. They go sell that, that land, get the money, and then they're going and buying food for the widows, and they're trying to get all the widows taken care of, and this whole system is developing, and the apostles are the ones in charge of all of it. And all of a sudden, somewhere in the midst of it, as you keep reading chapter 3 and 4 of the book of Acts, they mess it all up, and they're complaining. Well, our widows didn't get anything. They didn't get any food. Y'all didn't, yeah, y'all didn't get them no food. We put that money all in the pile, and they didn't get no food. And that's ain't right. And I don't think this is right. I don't even know if I want to be a part of this anymore. And this ain't fair. And so the apostles are like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. We're not even good at this. We, we just need to read the Bible and teach y'all good stuff and pray. Why don't you guys elect some folks who can be good at this? Because we're not good at it. Friend, listen to me. Just because the spirit of the Lord is stirring in our hearts doesn't mean we need to start becoming communal. Somebody say Amen. In fact, it didn't work with Jamestown either. When they, one of the first pilgrim groups of pilgrims came over, they tried to establish, they tried to be communal. And the reason why bringing it all together and throwing it at the feet won't work is because of our humanity. It's because of our humanity. And I'm still conquering that part of me, and you are too. And so you're going to, before you know it, you're going to be critical. How come she got $500? I mean, I, I need $500. I, I can come up with I need my teeth fixed too. I'm just suffering through. Hallelujah. And that's why it doesn't work. And so you see it, it dies out pretty quickly. But with that, with the communal concept dying out, guess what else dies out? Kindness dies out. And so as we look 40 years later, we see Paul dealing, dealing with the Corinthians. We read this just last week when we took communion. Look at this passage in Corinthians 11, verse 33. He says, so then, my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for each other. If anyone is hungry, he should eat at home. So that when you meet together, it may not result in judgment. Let me explain to you what was happening. So they're called come together to have love feasts, and they're bringing their best foods, and they're setting it up. Remember the remember the old church picnics and stuff, putting it all out at the tables, you know, and that kind of stuff. It's all set nice. And then there's always this group of suckers that, that by this time they're not kind anymore, and they're getting up in line first, you know, and they're getting up in line. <laughs> Buffets, baby. I'm buffeting my body all right. Boom, boom, boom. And they're loading it all up. And by the time the last few people get in line, there's no food left. And Paul's saying, you selfish, how dare you? This is supposed to be a love feast where everyone's being treated with love and, and respect. Look at your lack of kindness. It's all selfishness, what you can get out of it. 
Friend, it is selfish for you and I to come to church just to get something for ourselves out of it instead of coming to give something. When we come in kindness to give, what happens is God causes others to give to us, pressed down, shaking together and running over. It's a concept. It's a, it's a philosophy that has to switch in all of us. That we come as the body of Christ. And that's why it says in Scripture, when you come together, some should bring a psalm or a hymn, something to encourage one another in. You, you ought to be looking to, to bless somebody. You ought to be looking to do something that benefits the, the church body as a whole. Not just come and just get mine, I'm going to get mine, I'm going to get mine. That is the world in which we live in now that we're trying to break out of. Are you with me? Say amen. And so 40 years into this thing, we even see it so much that in 1 John, John has to rebuke him to this point. Look at 1 John. Are you moving quickly with me? Because we've got to be good on time here. 1 John 3.17. Not John 3.17, but 1 John 3.17. If anyone has material possession and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? He's saying, listen, you've got people who've who, who got difficulty and you've got the ability to help them and you're not doing it. You've lost your kindness. Well, on the day of Pentecost, you were given everything. You didn't care. It was like the king of God, Jesus, man. And now 40 years later, like, man, listen, he shouldn't. Have, uh, that's what he gets for being lazy. I'd take his car away. God bless him. So something has shifted in you. He said, and the love of God's not in you. The kindness of Jesus Christ is not in you. You have the ability to help, but you're not. And so I want to give you three little things that I've learned through these scriptures as I've been studying. And you and I, in reference to principles about being kind to one another within the church. So let's learn a couple things. Number one, the first principle, real simple, it's the Holy Spirit leading you to be kind here at church with the church people. That's the Holy Spirit. It ain't the devil that told you to fill up their car with gas. I'm telling you, it's not the devil. It was the Holy Spirit telling you that. He said, I don't know. I don't know if it's really the Lord. It's the Lord. It's the Holy Spirit pushing you, leading you to be kind. I'm telling you, the devil is not telling you, be nice. Please, it'll help people. And I need more people to not go to hell with me. Please, be nice. That's not Satan, I promise you. He's not telling you. It's the Lord telling you, listen, be sweet, be kind. There was a, a sweet lady in our church who pulled me aside a couple months ago. He said, you know, she said, you know, I've been coming here for a few months. And she said, in the first couple weeks that I came, you're asking people if they get involved in our celebration service teams. We have teams that serve the service so that we can pull off all the things that we do. From people that welcome you, guest services that help you find your way, kids ministry that are loving on our children, cafe people, they don't get paid. They're just out there just making lattes. You say, I don't like the latte. You're supposed to sign up for that ministry. I'm telling you that right now. I mean, at, at all these different areas, these guys are all serving. And she goes, and you asked if, if, if we would sign up. And so, you know what? I went back there. I felt the Lord. I felt the Spirit of the Lord speak to me and say, you need to do that. And she said, I was new to the church. I didn't know. I don't, I've never been on a team like that. But I went out there and I signed up for guest services. And she said, you know, I've been serving for four, five, six, eight, seven weeks now. And I want to testify to you, Pastor. I knew it was the Lord. But I'll tell you, as the weeks went on, I had some real tragedies in my life. I had some real difficulties in my life. And every Sunday morning when I go to get up, I'd hear the devil say, why are you going to church? It ain't helping you. God's not for you. And nothing's working in your everyday life. But I had made a commitment. I knew the Spirit of the Lord had told me, sign up for that. And so I signed up for it. And she said, Pastor, I want you to know, if I had missed the last two months of the sermons that you were preaching, I would have quit on God. I'd have given up. And the only reason I kept coming is because I made a commitment to do a, an act of service, to be kind to my church and give a little bit of my life there in the foyer. And because I did that, the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me to do that. I'm telling you, I'm serving God today, and I wouldn't be if it weren't for that. Listen to me. Listen to what God does. 
It's the Spirit of the Lord. I'm telling you, it's the Holy Spirit wooing you to do that. Be a part of that, connect to that. That's the Lord. You, man can't make you do that. It's the Lord working on your behalf. Here's the second truth and lesson that I've learned, and that is you can do what you can do, and that's all that you can do. I know that's a lot of doo-doo, but listen to me. When you and I try to get outside of what we can do, and I love that. Back to that First John. Look at that First John one more time, guys. Put it on the screen for him. 317. If anyone has material possession and sees his brother in need, if anyone has the ability, if you got what they need, but you, uh, but you, uh, but has no pity on him, you, uh, how can the love of God be in him? You can only do what you can do. You can't do what you can't do. You can't fix everything. Come on, somebody ought to shout me down right there. That's a good place. You, you can't be everything. You, you, can only, you can only do what you're able to do. You, you can't fix everything in the church, and I can't. Now listen, if you're waiting on me to remember your birthday, you're in trouble. I'm going to tell you that, right? I love you. He said, man, that pastor loves me and hugs me. But I told him my birthday like six years ago, and he ain't ever said the happy birthday. I don't even remember my own kids' birthdays. I mean, I can only do what I can do. I'm only good at what I'm good at. I'm not good at other stuff, and I just own it, and I'm good at it, and I just, that's what I can do. I want you to understand, but if every one of us and what ability we do have, if we'll be a part of the solution, guess what? Supernatural things will happen because of that. I want you guys to bring that in from outside. Tell them to bring in my little illustration. You know I gotta have, always got to have some kind of fun illustration. It'll take them a second to get in. So a couple of weeks ago, about five, six weeks ago, I'm turning on to New Clark Road. I'm turning off of 1382, and as I turn on the New Clark Road, um, there is this giant, huge red board in the middle of the street. They're trying to figure out how to get it in. They didn't practice this part. There you go, guys. And so I'm trying to figure out, as I turn on the New Clark, there's this giant board in the middle of the street, and the cars in front of me are jerking their wheel to go around it and not to hit it. And so as they do that, they, um, where's my red board? Do I say, yeah, bring my, so as they do that, uh, I, I slam on my brakes. I barely miss it. Jamie's screaming because she's texting because when we drive, she gets to text and I have to drive and she won't text for me. And so it's a, it's a point of issue, you can tell. And so, so as we get there, there's this awesome red board right there in front of me and I barely swerve and stop in time. Oh my God, it's so heavy. And I barely get stopped in time to, to, to not hit the board. If I hit it, it'd blown out both the tires. And since my wife is city councilwoman, I'm good and familiar with the fact that if I blow out a tire on junk that's in their street, they still won't buy me a new tire. And so <clears throat> I've already had that discussion, can you tell? And so, and so I pull past it. And as I pull past it, I, I, I hear the Spirit of the Lord say, go and pick that board up so nobody else hits it. I'm like, I can't, I'm dressed in a suit. This is six, seven weeks ago. Do you remember six, seven weeks ago? Do you remember how hot it was? Three minutes outside the air condition and you might as well just go in your underwear because you're sweating everywhere. Everything's soaking wet. I'm, I'm like, I'm not. It's, you can do this. Someone else is going to blow a tire out and then you're going to be the one who I tried to use and you were rebellious. I was like, okay, Lord. So I turn around on the boulevard, and I can't cross the median. So I just pull up and throw it in park and put my flashes on. I run across the median. Car, cars are trying to swerve around the board. And I jump out there, you know, and I go to pick up the board. And this is a heavy, stinking board. And I'm trying to pick it up with my suit. I'm sweating like a pig, and I don't know what to do with it. I'm standing in the middle of the street with this big red board, and cars are pulling in about that time, coming off of 1382 real fast. And they're like, whoa, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm trying to save your life. I'm trying to keep you. Ugh so hard to be kind. 
And so I don't know what to do, so I just throw it into the grass. You know, I was like, well, they'll pick it up when they cut the grass, and, or the city will pick it up or something. That was six weeks ago. And so I drove past it, you know, yesterday, and I was like, that board is still there. Somebody needs to do something about that board. Well, we did something about it. In fact, I, wanna, I want you to, guys to help me illustrate that. Come on, James, if you'll give me you and Tigra, come stand up. I need some bowed up men. You guys are pretty mus- muscular. Okay, so I put it on this other stack of, of, of boards so that, that it wouldn't fall. Now, here's what I need. This is a huge weight. And what I'd like you guys to do, listen, yours, James, I know how busy you are, dude. You're, you're trying to get married. So that finger's gone. You're, you're trying to save money. That finger's gone. You already, you're trying to date and get married and plan a wedding. So that finger's gone. So that leaves you two fingers to help me with this project. So I need you to put those two fingers right there. Now, Tiger, I know you're in Bible school. You're also working a job. You're serving in our youth ministry. That puts those fingers are just gone. We're going to leave you those so you can pick your nose with. But then we're going to take these away real quick right here. So I need you to put those two fingers under there. And so this is the task. Man, I really need help in the church. We really got to do something for the body of believers. Go ahead and pick that up with those two fingers. Wow, that's not really moving too well. Come on. These are bowed up big guys. I don't understand what the problem is. Yeah, all you're doing is shaking it back and forth. Thank you very much. So let me, I tell you what, if you guys don't mind, I know you're real busy. I know your life has got so much. Stay there, Tigger. Where are you going? Okay, if you'll stand, how about you give me two fingers right there next to him. There you go. Give me two fingers. I know you're busy. I know you're working a full-time job. I know you're leading so many things. Don't put your hand on it, you little cheater. I see you cheating right now. You gotta watch the cheaters. <laughs> okay, two fingers. Let me see the two fingers. Put the other fingers. All right, on the count of three, y'all go ahead and pick that thing up for me. One, two, three. There it is. All right, so listen. What two men can't do in their strength, you got your palm on it. Put your palm down. Two fingers. <laughs> what these two guys couldn't do in their own strength, when we added more two fingers to the table, they could pick it up. So, see, here's, here's the, the old adage. Many hands make the work light. We got a lot of kids back there that we need to raise up in the things of God. Somebody say amen. Amen. But it's not just the problem for a few kids ministers. All of us need to put a finger up under that, pick that thing up with them, and all we got, yeah, we can't spend our life in that. That's not necessarily our calling. Listen, we got people that need help in working within the church, and if each and every one of us, just take our, look, I can do once a month. I can stand out there and greet people. I can be nice once a month. I can be nice. I promise you. Once a month, y'all can sit down. Give these guys a hand. Did so good. You can leave it right there. But if you and I if you and I would show, show kindness to our church, I've got a practical way for you to go about doing that. Isn't that awesome? You can get involved in some of these ministry areas and just give you two fingers. Look, I know you can't give me your entire body. I picked up that board by myself. I don't expect you to pick up ministry all by yourself. But if all of us can get around the weight of it, and a little bit at a time here and there, and I know you're, you're tied up. You got, you're tied up with this, and you're tied up with that, and you're tied up. You've got to be careful. And you're tied up. Like, what fingers end up staying, staying up? My pastor flipped me off in church today. I tell you, I love my church. <laughs> but if each and every one of us would just pick a little bit of the load up, then what happens is we don't burn out anybody. Come on, somebody. Some of you are coming from places where you were burned out because they asked you to pick it all up by yourself. And, and, and you felt literally the, the spiritual hernias for picking up more weight than you should have ever been asked to pick up. I don't need that from you. I just need us to be the church and love the people that God's sending us. God's sending us so many new people. 
And I don't want, I don't want to lose our DNA. I want to be nice. I want to be kind. I don't want somebody pointing, bathroom's that way. Because we're so busy doing everything else. I want somebody to say, excuse me, you're, you're brand new here. Hi, God bless you. You need a restroom? Let me walk you to the restroom. Come on, we'll walk over this. I'm not going to go in with you, but here's the door. God bless you. That kind of thing. That'd be kind of creepy. Here's the third lesson that I've learned. Write this down and we're going to move on. The third lesson that I've learned from Scripture in reference to you and I being kind to one another as the church. And here's the third lesson. You ready? Kindness changes lives. Kindness changes lives. So, one of, the, one of the businessmen in our church, new upstart business, his wife was working on their like 17th child. She's pregnant, like number five, I don't forget. Once you get past four, it's like, it's in the teens for me, man. I, I lose them, you know. I just, I, I call mine one, two, and three because I can't remember past that, you know. And so, you know, they're, they're pregnant with their, their fourth or fifth child. They're starting up a business and they come new to our church and they're so nice and so wonderful. And somebody asked them, hey, could you help us? Um, whenever new people come and they, and they give their uh, phone numbers, we just like to call them during the week and see if there's anything we can pray for them about. No pressure scheme or anything like that. And they said, we would love to do that. And so they did that for a couple weeks. And the, and the dad came to me and he said, uh, he said Pastor Adam, he said, I, I got this couple on the phone. They love the services. They live about 20 minutes away. But this week, they, they, they're getting kicked out of their apartment. They don't have any money. Does the church do anything for that? I'm like, bro, we just don't have a benevolence fund. We're just not in a position to do that right now. We're too small. We just don't have it. All of our, our, our bills are, and so we just let the people kind of, if they'll get in a small group, maybe the people in the small group can help them. And he goes, you know what? I think it's the Lord. I think I'm supposed to help them. I'm like, dude, you're just starting a business. You need every penny. He goes, yeah, but I think I'm supposed to. He says, is that all, is that all right if I do that? I'm like, look, I don't want you giving money to every person that has a sad story. But he felt like the Spirit of the Lord told him to do it. So he went and he paid that bill for them. They got to keep their place of residence. They didn't get kicked out. Let me tell you something. They came to church that next week, tears coming down their cheek. And they said, listen, we've been in and out of church our whole life. We've gone to churches in and out our whole life. No one's ever loved us and been kind to us like this. We were going to lose our place where we were living. Yes, we haven't been living holy. Yes, we know we've been in sin, but that person didn't judge us. They just blessed us, and they were kind to us, and we want you to know that has changed our life. We will serve the Lord the rest of our lives. Can I tell you something? One act of kindness changes lives. And with that, let me, let me quote Mother Teresa when she said it like this. I would rather make mistakes in kindness and compassion than work miracles in unkindness and hardness. Isn't that good? I'd rather be kind, and maybe we're a smaller church, than to be driven and rude and sift through people like water. I'd rather, I'd rather all of us grow old and ugly together and be kind to one another than for us to be so driven and so mean in the church. Nobody wants to come here because you're mean, you're mad, I'm mad, everybody's mad. I don't want to be that. I think it starts with us. I want to give you a practical application to today's message. Many of you have been asking me, Pastor, how do I get involved? I'm new to the church. And, you know, at my old church, I was in charge of evangelism. I was in charge of this. I was in charge of that. I've got a baby step for you to get involved. They're all around the, congregate, uh, the sanctuary. You can see these areas of ministry that you can serve in. Just two fingers. Just a little light helping here or there. Not a big commitment. Doesn't mean you've got to adjust your life. It only happens on Sundays for most of these areas. And they ha- they're going to, in just a moment, I'm going to have people at the tables. When we go to dismiss the service, you're going to run over there. You're going to kind of evaluate each one. They're doing all kinds of things to get your attention. Oh, man, listen, the worship team, they're giving away candy. 
because they're sweet, they said. The kids area, listen, we need 50 people right now to just come help us love on kids. And, and we'll train them. They don't have to do a whole lot. They're just even a, a live, warm body that can smile and tell a kid that they're cute. We can use them. And we've got all the different areas. We'll go through them in just a moment. But I wanted to pause for this moment as we go to close. And I want to ask the question. Jesus, the ultimate in kindness, showed it not by just speaking it. I love you, I love you, I love you. That's great. No, no, no. He lived it. And he came to this earth and we hung him on a cross. He had the power at any moment to say, enough, I'm done. And fry everybody and start over with a new human race. But he didn't. He had patience and kindness. And his hope, his desire was his great kind sacrifice would cause us to say, I love you and I want you in my life. Listen, sin is constantly pulling us away. Mean people are constantly giving us excuses not to love God. People who misrepresent Jesus are going to always be out there. But when you die and you stand before the king of glory and you give him all the excuses, the church I went to, the pastor was sleeping with multiple women, he was a hypocrite, Jesus is going to go, that's, that's so sad. Oh, And he's going to look at you and say, well, what does that have to do with me and you? Friend, listen, every one of us have to make a decision. Indecision is a decision. Just remember that. Oh, I want to wait. I'm not ready. No. You're saying clearly you don't want God right now. And so I want to give you an opportunity. I want to give you an opportunity to come to Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I want to give you an opportunity to walk out of this place with your head held up high knowing if I died, I know where I'm going. I'm going to heaven because I made Jesus my Lord. So, Pastor, what do I have to do? I have to give money? I have to hell Mary's and beg on my knees? No. No, Jesus did it all. The most valuable commodity in heaven, more than all the diamonds, more than all the gold, more than all the money in the world. One drop of the blood of Jesus. And he spilt his blood on that cross. And all you and I have to do is say, I accept it. I accept your sacrifice for my sin. That blood covers every sin any man will ever commit for the history of woman, for the history of humanity. He covered it. He paid for it. It's been paid for. Now all we have to do is receive it. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment. As I'm speaking this truth to you, if you come to the understanding, you, ha- you realize, man, I'm away from God. I don't know Jesus. I haven't been serving him. I got great news for you. You don't have to die like that. Today's your moment. This is the moment. Don't push the Lord away. If you know that you've not been serving God, you know that you and Jesus aren't close. You feel guilt in your heart. You feel ashamed. In fact, you're not confident if you died today. If you'd have been at that four-way stop and somebody had shot you, You're not confident that you'd go to heaven. Friend, don't leave here like that. This is your moment. All you have to do is accept him. I'll lead you in a prayer of acceptance. It's real simple. It's just meaning in our hearts. I'm ready. I'm ready to be, I'm ready to belong to Jesus. It's not belonging to myself. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you, you say, Pastor, I'm away from God and I want to come home. Or I've never been a Christian. I want to make Jesus my Lord. If that's you, right where you stand, would you boldly lift your hand and admit that? Just me and you. No one else is looking. God bless you. I see your hand. God bless you, sir. God bless you. Anybody else? You can put your hand out. God bless you, sister. God bless you, man of God. God bless you, bro. Anybody else? God bless you. I see your hands. Beautiful, beautiful lady. Anybody else? About five seconds. I'm not going to belabor. I'm not going to beg and plead. I just want to give you that chance, that opportunity. You never know if you'll have that for very long. I see your hands, sir. God bless you. Anybody else? Two seconds. God bless you, sweetheart. Sweet. Yes, yes, sir. Thank you, sir. Okay. About two more seconds. One. Amen. You can put your hands down. 
Now, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. Listen, the miracle miracle has already happened. You had enough courage to lift your hand and say, I need God. It's already done. We're just going to pray and seal the deal. It's like putting an exclamation mark at the end of the sentence. God's already written your life to this moment that you came here to this church. At this moment, you felt him tugging at your heart, and you responded by lifting your hand. A prayer is just going to seal it. And I want to lead you in that prayer. The Bible says if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, that he'll cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In other words, we'll become his. And so those that lifted your hand, there's about 10 of you, I want you to say this prayer out loud. Repeat it with me. And in fact, I'd like everyone in the congregation to pray it out loud with them so they're not by themselves. Say it like this. Say, Jesus, today I surrender my life. I ask you, Jesus, to come into my heart. Transform me. Make me like you. I confess all of my sin. And I ask you now to wash it away. I declare Jesus is my Lord. I promise to serve you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you keep your head bowed? Father, I pray for every man and woman who lifted their hand right now that they feel the grace of God. Lord, like like melting wax over their hard heart. Lord God, they don't have to have a big emotional response, but they would just sense that it's forgiven. They would just know in their knower that they belong to you. Lord God, all the old lies and all the old bad sermons and all the things that they heard from a buddy that didn't know what he was talking about, that they got to do this and they got to do, Lord, fooey on all that. Let them just know that they're right with you. They prayed. They've asked you into their life and you do the rest. So Lord, bring cleansing, bring peace, bring joy, bring confidence that they're new. And Lord God, for those that are coming back to you and they have that fear. Well, I'm just going to go back to those old drugs and do it again. I'm just going to cheat on my wife. Hey, Lord, just silence all that. Let faith come forth in them like never before. We seal that. And if you keep your head bowed and your eye closed, we were talking about kindness starting in the house of God. Lord, we all, we all have reason to be mad at each other. Come on, guys. Anytime you start getting close with a group of people, you're going to find ways to be angry at each other. We're going to offend each other. It's tough to walk in kindness and always smile. Sometimes you have to do it by faith. But I want you to know, it's that kindness that's leading us to repentance. And it's that love and kindness for one another that's going to cause the world to say, that's what I want. That's what I want. That's what I need. And so right there in your seat, I want you to commit in your heart. Say, Lord, help me be kind to my brothers and my sisters in Christ. Help me. Help me, Lord God, to do my part and not look at it and have the ability to help and Walk away from it thinking, well, that's somebody else's problem. Father, I pray right now in Jesus' name over every man and woman in this church that, Lord, we'll be known that we're people who are kind. We're real. We're honest. Sin, sin. It's going gonna, it's gonna to cause you to burn in hell. But we're kind and long-suffering with one another as we learn and we grow together, as we sift through the trash of our own humanity. And, Father, I just pray for peace. Peace, Lord God, in reference to being kind. I love you and I bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.